Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. If you're the generous type and can afford fancy coffee whenever you want, please consider becoming a member for just 10 bucks a month. It'll also get you access to special member-only content. And thanks a lot to everyone who's become a member recently. It's very much appreciated. All right, welcome to episode 105. Going to start off with security news. FireEye researchers have identified a nasty new ICS attack framework called Triton. System provides easy-to-use APIs for sending control commands to TriConnex SIS controllers over the proprietary TriStation protocol. The researchers believe it, it is a state actor that's responsible for this, but they don't have enough information to guess which. A lot of the infestations uh, or issues they've seen are in the Middle East right now. And uh, got a link to the full analysis. It's a pretty good write-up. 1.4 billion email addresses and clear text credentials were discovered in a dark web forum. Content appears to be a fairly recently updated collection of 252 other breaches. Um, I'm going to be doing some collection and parsing and putting it into Seclus, the uh, project that uh, me and Jason run. HP seems to have keylogger issues. This is the second time one has been discovered in their products this year. Uh, looks like there's a driver uh, part of their laptop builds that uh, is logging keystrokes. It's a bit disturbing. Criminals are laundering bitcoins by uploading and buying their own music on iTunes, which gives them a legitimate check from Apple. American Express, MasterCard, and Discover are eliminating the signature requirement for purchases in April of 2018. We seem to be missing a company that rhymes with Visa, but I imagine they'll come along hopefully fairly soon afterwards if they don't come before. I really can't wait to get rid of signatures. I have not signed a regular signature in probably 12 years. I... I assign things like the number two. I write, I'm under duress. I do all sorts of things. I've never once got a call. Never once. Basically, the idea is if you have a signature, then you get a lower rate for that merchant. And that's the only reason it exists. And I think it's being considered a friction to business. And that's why all these companies are getting rid of it. And I'm happy that it's happening. Although I'd be happier if more people supported Apple Pay. And patching this week, uh, Patch Tuesday happened uh, last week. So you want to go and get those patches. Technology news. The FCC has repealed Obama's 2015 net neutrality rules, which most people in the tech world seem to think is the same as repealing net neutrality. I see it a bit differently, which I capture in my piece titled Disambiguation of Net Neutrality. Definitely encourage you to check that one out. It's, uh, <clears throat> it is pro-net neutrality, but not in the way that most people are 
lining it up. Microsoft is putting an official SSH client into Windows 10. You can now do SSO with AWS now. Very cool. And Apple bought Shazam. It's already been pretty tightly integrated with Siri. You could basically say, um, you know, you could tell Siri to listen to the current song and it'll tell you what it is and tell you how to download it or whatever. But I imagine this will lead to further integrations. <clears throat> Human news. Number of ex-Facebook people are coming out and saying that Facebook is bad for society. Specifically, people overusing it. I absolutely believe this. I, I think Facebook would be fantastic if they were to somehow foster or encourage or incentivize creation instead of consumption. That's what really they need to do, right? We need to harvest the creativity and, and active thought of the population as opposed to just swipe, 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 you know, give me something new, give me something new. It, it's super unhealthy. And I'm glad to see all these ex-Facebook people come out and, and say it, even though, you know, the ideally it would be people inside of Facebook talking about this rather than outside. 22% of students with student loan debt are in default, almost a quarter. That's crazy. Um, in default, and the rate is double what it was just four years ago. So it looks like heading uh, in the wrong direction here. And I think the federal government has one point something trillion in student loan uh, debt that it owns. And uh, if we're seeing these kinds of rates of default, that's uh, somewhat troubling. Google used AI to find two new exoplanets, which are planets outside of our solar system. They're not like Pluto's because we don't talk about that anymore. This is an example of why I think AI doesn't need to be better than humans, right? To find things uh, to, to be useful, right? Because the whole point is machine learning's main advantage is that it can find things, it can look for things unblinkingly with a trillion different eyes that don't get tired, right? A lot of people think that, um, you know, if it's not as good, as a human, then it's not going to be useful. Well, humans can't just stare at the sky constantly. They can't just stare at telescope data constantly, whereas AI can. So Google found some uh, new planets using this. And I, I think we need to basically hook up AI to sensors. Even more important than exoplanets, because we can't get there, is asteroids. That They absolutely need to be looking for asteroids. A Navy airman describes an encounter with an aircraft that, quote, had no plumes, wings, or rotors, and it outran our F-18s. His take on this, I want to fly one. That's admirable. These are the types of stories that led to the Pentagon starting a secretive UFO investigation program, I think called Black Money. Yeah. Or maybe Dark Money. Something like that it was a cool sounding name. AI is coming for many types of lawyer jobs sooner rather than later. Again, it's all about having too much data for humans to be able to review, whereas AI never gets tired. So like uh, I read somewhere, someone said that like 90% of a lawyer's job in a lot of different roles 
is just looking for documentation, looking for this one particular thing, right? Needle in the haystack type of thing. Needle in the haystack is the exact use case for, for AI and machine learning and, and a whole bunch of different uh, data science type things that humans are not good at. Meerkat is an array of 64 dishes spread across one square kilometer in Africa. There will be orders of magnitude more sensitive than our most powerful radio telescopes. And this system goes live in 2018. So I'm super excited about that. Solo karaoke is getting super popular in Japan. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ideas. The biggest advantage in machine learning will come from superior coverage, not superior analysis. This is my essay on how it doesn't matter if humans are better than algorithms for doing some sort of analysis if they can't possibly look at the data that needs to be analyzed. Really recommend you look at this, especially if you're considering bringing in some sort of data science or AI or whatever into your organization. You have, you have to realize that it's not about being better than good humans at doing analysis, or really humans at all at doing analysis. It's, a, it's also about coverage. You know, Do you have data that humans can't possibly look at? Because it's too much data, not because it's sensitive. Disambiguation of net neutrality. Why well, I believe most people are misguided on the net neutrality issue because it's a lot more complex than it appears. If your mind is 100% made up on this issue, or even if it's not, I recommend you read this one. Uh, I also wonder if the future of malls is to become physical instantiations of other things that are primarily online. So education, healthcare, trying out products that are ultimately bought and paid for online. So like 95% of everything is done online, but the one component that can't be reproduced, which is physical interaction, is done at the mall. So it would be like health clinics, watching free lectures from top universities, group video gaming, trying on clothes, returning clothes, whatever. Um, I haven't heard it about anyone trying to do this, but it would be a cool idea if every town just said, hey, these are the core infrastructures that we want to have in our city. We already have these giant buildings and they're kind of like cultural centers. So why not just bring these functions to there? IoT benefits and personal privacy are inversely correlated. This is an older one of mine, but um, you basically have to pick one. You're either going to get the advantages of IoT, you know, sensing and knowing and having context about everything you do, and that will bring you rich, rich experience and features, or you're going to have privacy where you don't give any of that data and, you know, you're very private and you know, nothing is customized for you, but you can't have both. The moment you start customizing things, the more it knows the systems know about you and the more that data is shared, the privacy is going away. And at the scale of the society, that we already know what's going to happen. It's going to be IoT and functionality and context. Those will be chosen over privacy. But for an individual, you have to make this choice as well. And uh, it is... Uh, it's one or the other. You have to pick one. Aristotle said there were three types of friendship. Those based on utility, those based on pleasure, 
and those based on mutual appreciation of attributes. He said the third kind was the best. The Amazon machine. This is by Benedict Evans, a recent blog post. He basically said that Amazon is a company that makes other Amazons. And this is the thing, this is its main function that makes it so formidable. I would add to that, that it's all about experimentation. They have this thing called two person teams where you basically have an idea. You have a team that is no larger than could be fed by two pizzas and you basically go and you try it. It's the lean startup concepts. You try things, they fail, you abandon them. You try something else. Try, fail, test, retry, right? So it's a um, powerful mechanism, but imagine a billion dollar company who just keeps doing this. I mean, reInvent, Amazon reInvent their conference. It's ridiculous how many products they put out there. Like you go to the, you're just blasted. I mean, even trying to cover it in a blog post or, you know, a newsletter or podcast or whatever, like I did last week, that paragraph with the, the reInvent findings, that was like 5% or maybe even 1% of everything they announced. But it had like 20 things in it, right? So I can't imagine going to the conference and actually trying to cover all this stuff. And the company just keeps getting bigger and they keep trying more and more things. This is why they're beating everyone, is because they are trying more things in a small way. And if they work, they just continue on. I mean, this is the source and the origin of Amazon is they actually built AWS to run their own systems. They're like, oh, this works really well. Let's sell it. And that's kind of their DNA. And it's why they're so powerful. Discovery. 10-Year Futures by Benedict Evans. This is a unbelievably good presentation about sort of uh, what's coming in tech. It's not security focused at all, but really cool tech stuff. I like Benedict Evans a lot. And uh, I met with him once and we, we've exchanged some emails. He's a interesting character, talks very fast. So when he's on the A16Z podcast, which is where he works, um, it's, uh, it's hard to listen to at 2x because he's already talking at 2x or 2.5x. Um, I think I talk pretty fast, but he talks even faster and uh, I actually like it. I feel like I get a lot of information. There's no pauses. It just keeps flowing, right? And this is his yearly, I think this is his yearly one, or, or he might have a different presentation that he does yearly. That's his most popular one. It's like mobile or something. But this one is fantastic. It talks about S-curves. It talks about what's coming next. Uh, absolute, you should check this one out. Um, Uh, visualization of the world's most common and contagious myth conceptions. Myth conceptions. That was clever. By Information is Beautiful. Lincoln's Lyceum address. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Lyceum, 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 definitely. Uh, how do you get notified when your Ubuntu boxes need security updates? I wrote a tutorial on getting an email when you're boxes have updates. Someone responded and say, why do you care to get an email when you could do unattended installs? I don't like doing that all the time. Um, I feel like I, I still like to watch it a little bit. Maybe, maybe I should get over that. 
But uh, I feel like sometimes changes are made and it borks the box and you wouldn't know what happened. Um, a visually compelling presentation on how millennials are both getting absolutely screwed and getting blamed for their situation. It's kind of a defense of the millennial. Uh, New York Times is, it's the last major newspaper to still have a book section, which I extremely value. I'm a subscriber to New York Times uh, and Washington Post and Economist. Those are my three that I subscribe to, along with some uh, individual contributors who do podcasts and stuff like that. But those are my three media things. Uh, the next time you're looking for a good read, like your next book, I would check out their bestseller list, which I've got a link to here. And Amazon also has the best books of 2017 list published, which I have a link to in the newsletter show notes as well. How to break a caption 15 minutes using machine learning. That's fun. Uh, visualization of the movies with the biggest gap between critic reviews and fan reviews. And yes, The Last Jedi is way up there on the list. There's a 37% gap between what critics think, they actually love it, and fans think uh, they don't love it. I think it's because if it were the first movie, it might be decent. But you can't really judge something by that, right, when it has a history. You know, if you just come out and destroy history of something, you're not making good movie, even if, even if it would have been good as a first one. Uh, and may, maybe that's just people being too conservative <clears throat> about their beliefs about the, sh uh, the uh, franchise, but yeah. Rest is the new soap. This is uh, basically saying that Rest claimed, you know, it claimed that it was going to solve all the soap problems. It, it, they claimed that they were going to be, you know, it was universal, easy to use, standardized. And he makes the case that um, that's not the case. It's a, it's a giant uh, crap show, just like soap. <clears throat> and uh, he proposes a couple of different alternatives. Math as code. This is fantastic. A cheat sheet for people good at code but bad at math. So it's basically a bunch of math concepts explained as JavaScript. And basic network pivoting techniques, NCAT, SOCAT, SSH, SOX, Metasploit, bunch of, uh, it's like a little cheat sheet. It's super cool. Paste Hunter, analyzing paste data using ELK. That sounds awesome. I took a look at it. There's a bunch of cool uh, visualizations actually in there. Uh, notes, I wrote a review of The Last Jedi which I was just talking about a second ago. It's full of spoilers and really bad language. So be warned on both accounts. This is being uh, very young and very emotional. So if you don't like that look on me in particular, because you think I'm mature and, you know, pensive and, you know, thoughtful or whatever, uh, you might want to pass on this one. I've read around 10 books since I last uh, talked about you know, book updates and what I've been reading or whatever. And I'm currently fishing, finishing uh, What to Think About Machines That Think. This is an extraordinarily long book. It's just little tiny clips of people reading 
like a tiny little multi hundred word essay or whatever about what they think about it. Right. It's got all these different people talking about AI and thinking machines or whatever. It's just fantastic because you're not like in a story. It's just lots of different opinions and it's super helpful. Actually, it's helping me suss out my own. And I just started principles by Ray Dalio Dalio. I also finished player piano by Kurt Vonnegut, which I just found out was his first book. This is a book about automation and how it impacts society. It was written in the 1950s. It is extraordinary. You have to read this book. The end is very sad. That's probably a spoiler, but anyway, you you should read this book. It's unbelievable. Recommendations. So I posted a bunch of security guides in the last few episodes, but this new one security planner by citizen lab is absolutely extraordinary. It's a guided plan that customizes your security plan to your, to you based on your specific needs by having you select different um, technologies that, that you use that you're worried about, and then answering a series of questions. Absolutely remarkable that you should check this out. You should give it to everyone, right? I mean, those other guides, you sort of have to read through them. This one is more interactive. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of these I've been putting in the recommendation section because we all have people, anyone listening to this is the person that other people go to for expertise, right? So we all have people who are like, what do I do for email? What do I do for whatever? And you're like, oh, I should just write a quick little FAQ and send it out to people. Well, lots of people are doing this and this one is extremely useful. So um, yeah, you can send the link out to people, friends and family, send it as a holiday guide, go secure your stuff. Aphorism, to be prepared against surprise is to be trained. To be prepared for surprise is to be educated. To be prepared against surprise is to be trained. To be prepared for surprise is to be educated. James Carse. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.